Thanks for checking out the Candeo podcast. To learn more about us, visit us at candeochurch.com. Well, good morning, Candeo. I am so excited to be here. I tell you what, I have fallen in love with this place. Jake, it's so good to see you again. And Sarah, I don't know if she's around here somewhere, maybe the next service. By the way, I've got to say it just for the record. Some of us married up, okay? And some of us married way up, all right? And I won't mention any names, but I think you know who I'm talking about. But it's so good to be here. I've fallen in love with this place, everything about it. I'm in a lot of churches. I think I can say my all-time favorite church wall, a wall within a church building, is your salt wall out there as you come in the front door, you make a right turn. I just love that thing. I love your building. I love that cell tower thing outside the cross. I love just, uh, of course, Jake and Sarah, they're, they're special. You guys, by the way, you've got a special pastor. Do y'all mind just letting him know how special he is, if you don't mind? He's a good guy. I love the, I love the depth of this place. There's, there's a spiritual depth here. Uh, I love your worship team, Dalton. I'm not used to musicians sitting in church while I preach. Okay, usually when I get up, they all go, I don't know where they go, but they leave, all right? So the fact that you guys are actually in here, this is like, my goodness. I just, I love everything. I love you and I. Uh, I can't wait this afternoon. I'm going to go to that high B where Kurt Warner used to work, okay? I've been looking forward to that. I can't, I'm going to take my picture there, little selfie, and maybe throw up something, I don't know, some paper towels or something. But I've been looking forward to that. I spent 17 years in Des Moines. As far north as I ever went was Ames, and I barely went there. So this is like a, a foreign territory for me. But I love everything about it. I went to Waverly yesterday. I'd never been to Waverly, okay? And there was some wild carrot restaurant there. Wild carrot, is that what it's called? Really good, really good. So anyway, I'm glad to be here, honored to be on your team. We are simply an extension of you guys. We make disciples who make disciples ends of the earth, but we do it under your authority, and we're able to do it because of you, your prayers and your giving. And so whenever, if you hear me say today, TTI did this or TTI did TTI is not me. You guys, we're doing this thing together. We're better together. And we as a ministry are, are able to do what we do for one reason only, because of you. We work with unreached people groups. Think your Muslim, Hindu, Buddhist, animist world. That's where we work, about 85% of what we do. And it's kind of hard for us to grasp an unreached people group. But if, if we let this worship center here be represent an ethnicity, a people group, and if every single chair represents a village... Okay, so there's 500 people in this village, 500 people in this village, 1,000 people in this village. We'll let you be 2,000, okay? 2,000 in this village, 1,000 in this. If, if this is a, an ethnicity and each chair represents a village, if you guys were an unreached people group, I think there's about 900 chairs in this room, there would, be, there would be churches in 15 villages. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, 10, 11, 12, 13. This row and about half of that row, there'd be a church. The rest of these villages, 
There is no body of believers. In many cases, they've never met a Christian. In some cases, they've never even heard his name. That scripture you just heard read, where God wants the gospel to go everywhere, there are millions and even billions of people in the world who have no idea who Jesus Christ is. It's hard for us to grasp. You drove by 10 churches on your way to church this morning. Where we work, they've never driven by a church. There's no church there. They're not rejecting Jesus Christ. They don't have any idea who he is. And the reason they don't know who he is is because nobody has ever told them. God wants the nations of this world, the people groups, the ethnicities, to know him and worship him. All the nations. I want to show you some verses from that passage that was just read, Psalms 96. Verse 1 says that God wants the, the whole earth to sing to him. Verse 3, he wants his glory declared among the nations, plural, among all peoples, all people groups. Verse 7, he wants glory from the families of the peoples, the people groups. Verse 9, the whole earth. Verse 10, say among the nations, the Lord reigns, the world is firmly established. It cannot be shaken. He judges the peoples fairly. Psalms 96, I was talking to Pastor Jake last night at, at uh, some restaurant. I forget what it was called, the whiskey something, okay? Um, but a little uneasy going into that place, but it was actually pretty good, all right? Uh, but I told Jake last night that, that Psalms, Psalms 96 is kind of like the John 3.16 of the Old Testament. You can't read this chapter and not conclude anything except for God so loved the world. This psalm was written about 3,000 years ago, about 30 centuries ago. And yet, after 3,000 years, there are some 3 billion people on this planet, about 40, 41%, who, have, who know practically nothing about him. And as a result, they cannot worship him. How can you worship someone you've never heard of? How, how can you call on somebody whose name you don't even know? Isn't that what Paul asked us in Romans chapter 10? I could share so many stories. I was in a Southeast Asian country a few years ago. I think it was right before COVID hit. And I got to the hotel and I checked in and I was hungry. That's half my problem. I'm always hungry. And so I went downstairs to the restaurant. I was, I was the first one there. And there was a waitress there. Her name was Nan Wee. And Nan Wee came over and in her broken English, she asked if she could help me. And she said, where are you from? I said, I'm from the States. And she said, well, uh, she said, what do you do? And I said, I'm a pastor. And she asked, what's a pastor? And I was hoping she would ask me that. I said, well, a pastor is a guy that works at a place called a church. So her second question was, what's a church? I said, a church is a place where the pastor takes a, a book called the Bible and teaches people from that Bible. You'll never guess what her third question was. Well, what, what exactly is a, is a Bible? I said, the Bible is a book that records the, the messages, the words that came out of the mouth of the creator of the heavens and the earth, the creator God that made your beautiful country. 
And in that message that he's given us, he told us how he loves us and cares for us and sent his son to, to, to uh, change our lives and, and put our brokenness all back together and to mend us and to put joy and peace in our hearts. And, and, and when we die, we actually get to go and live with him in the very house of the creator of the universe. And there's no sorrow and no suffering and no tears. And, and it's just eternal joy. And her eyes got real big and she said, do you have one of these Bibles? Can I see it myself? About that time, a buddy of mine walked in from the Twin Cities. And, and Dave, I knew he'd have the, the Bible app on his phone. My phone was, I was charging it upstairs. I said, Dave, this is Nan Wee. She's never seen a Bible. Show her the Bible. Well, Dave took his Bible, clicked on the app, clicked on the language, Burmese language, clicked on John 3, clicked on the, the uh, audio uh, icon. And for the first time in her life, Nan Wee is hearing the word of God. She's never heard it, never seen a Bible. I watched as she reached over and took the phone out of Dave's hand and began scrolling down. She listened uh, to all 36 verses of John chapter 3. When she got done listening, I watched, sat there and watched as Dave led her to Jesus Christ. I ate my food. I was excited. Went back to my room, tried to go to sleep, jet lag, couldn't sleep. About six hours later, 1.30 in the morning, I finally said, I'm getting up. I'm going to go downstairs, make myself useful, see if I can find somebody that doesn't know the Lord, that speaks English, talk to them. I went downstairs. I found four staff members that could speak English. As I tried to tell them about Jesus, all four of them said to me, Nan Wee has already told me about Jesus. It had only been six hours. Six hours, ladies and gentlemen. Six hours. Well, I got kind of excited. I went back upstairs, went to bed, got up the next morning. We were leaving real early. Nan, we showed up. It wasn't her shift, but she showed up. She walked up to me and Dave, and in her broken English, tears in her eyes, she said, I want to thank you, men, for what you shared with me last night. She said, I went home and told my sister about Jesus, and my sister wants to know more. And she then looked at me, and she said, for the first time in my life, I feel pure. We walked across the street, got in a little dugout, a little Burmese boat, little dugout. There's an engine on the back. It pops up and you take off. And we went out in the middle of this big lake. I mean, it was huge. You couldn't see the land. It was so far out there. And they build villages out in the middle of the lake on stilts. And uh, they build uh, houses rather on stilts, little villages there. They, they do everything on the water. They even grow their crops on the water. It's the most amazing thing I've ever seen. And we, we have some churches that have been started in those, we, we call them lake churches. They're not lakefront. They are literally lake churches. Okay, and, and I went into one of them that was a big house. About 40 people lived in that one house. 25, they were all Buddhist a year ago. 25 of them have now accepted Christ. 25 Buddhists, Jake, that's hard. Buddhists are tough. 25 Buddhists in one household had accepted Christ. I sat there and just sat there on the floor in amazement and, and listened. A 16-year-old girl stood up and she gave a testimony. And here's what she said. She pointed over to the young lady that had led her to the Lord, a college student. And she said, I never heard the name Jesus until so-and-so told me about Jesus. And she said, now I've become his follower. She was 16 years old and she had never even heard his name. 
An old guy then got up and he wanted to sing a song he had written. And he was an old guy about my age. Turns out he was the chief or the mayor of that village of about 4,000 people. He had become a follower of Christ. He was in his 60s, my age. He had never heard about Jesus Christ, and he had now written a praise song to Jesus. He wanted Jesus to know how much he loved him. And I remember sitting there thinking, uh, how do I say this? Dalton, he probably couldn't have made your praise team, okay? He didn't have a lot of talent. But I have a feeling that song he wrote, I have a feeling it went platinum in heaven, Amen. I have a feeling the angels were flapping their wings as they listened to that song. Ladies and gentlemen, that's what God wants. He wants the nations. He wants every people, every place. He wants a church in every village, everywhere. He wants his glory spread all over this earth. Now, what I want to do is I want to walk you through this passage. And then I'm going to tell you what we ought to do as a result of what we learn from this passage. Let me explain it to you. Psalms 96 verse 1, sing a new song. The psalmist said, sing a new song to the Lord. Now, there's nothing wrong with old songs, but the idea here is since his mercies are new every day, Lamentation says his mercies are new every day. Since his mercies are new every day, we have something new to praise him about every single day. Verse 1 is basically saying God is good all the time, all the time. God is good, therefore... Praise him. Candeo, has God been good to you? Has God been good to anyone in this room? Come on, talk to me. Has God been good to you? Yeah, then praise him. Worship him. Sing to him. That's the idea. Verse 1 goes on to say, but he doesn't just want our praise. He wants praise from all the earth. He wants the whole world to worship him. But I want to say it again, that is so difficult to do. It is so difficult to worship him if you do not know who he is. Does he deserve praise? Hey, how many of you all, y'all are students? You and I students? Do we have any students in this room? All right. I'm going to pick on you since you're on the front row. Does God deserve worship from every people group? Is there any place on the face of the earth that God doesn't really, they don't need God? No, not hardly. He deserves worship from everybody. And that's what this verse is saying. But it is so difficult to worship somebody that you've never heard of. Therefore, we must tell them. Look at verse 2. Proclaim that good news of his salvation. Jake mentioned that earlier. The gospel, it means good news. Proclaim that, that gospel, that good news message of his salvation. And verse 2 says, do it day after day. That is, never stop proclaiming the gospel until every single nation is heard. That's what verse 3 is saying. All nations, all the peoples, everywhere, don't stop proclaiming his glory. Don't stop telling the message. Don't stop sharing the good news until every single person on the face of the earth has heard. And you know, I just want to pull over here and park a second. You guys are doing a good job. If, if, if we could clone you guys and just spread you all over this country, we might could get something done. I'm so excited about your emphasis on making disciples. I'm so excited about your emphasis on, on planting churches. And just through your partnership with our ministry, you are planting dozens and dozens of churches this year in villages that have never had a church where they have no idea who Jesus is. 
And so uh, you guys are getting it done. Is he your savior? Is he your king? Is he your Lord? Is he your God? Has he redeemed you? Has he changed your life? Then good night, tell somebody. And don't just tell somebody. Tell everybody that will listen here, near, and far. A recent Barna study came out just in the last month or two. And basically the gist of it was that that the overwhelming majority of Bible-believing evangelical Christ followers in the United States do not think the Great Commission, that command from Christ to get the gospel to everybody, the overwhelming majority of, of evangelical believers in the United States believe it is not their personal responsibility to share the good news with others. Psalms 96 would be in sharp disagreement with that mindset. Beginning in verse 4, he tells us why, why the Lord deserves to be praised. Verse 4, because he's great. He is great in every way. He's great in power. He's great in glory. He's great in his faithfulness. And verse Five goes on to say he's worthy. He's not like the worthless idols, the dead idols of this world where we work. You see millions and millions of idols. They're, they're basically demonic uh, uh, structures, and they're worthless. They're evil, and they're worthless. But our God is not like a, this verse says, not like a worthless idol, but rather he's the almighty creator God. Verse 6 says to praise him for his splendor. His majesty, his strength, his beauty. I was recently in a slum of Jakarta, Indonesia, just last month. Huge city. I think there's, I don't know, it's, it's bigger than New York City. Huge place. And I went just weaving through the streets way back, just, uh, just it took forever, into a little slum house where a bunch of former Muslims, we'd started a church there, Jake, and a bunch of former Muslims were now worshiping Jesus. And I thought of this verse when they were singing because they sang that old song, Worship His Majesty. It was written back 30, 40 years ago. And I'm sitting there and I'm watching these Muslims, former Muslims, worshiping Him, worshiping literally His Majesty. Can you guys play the video? It's really neat. I'm going to tell you something. I would give, if, if all I ever see happen in my life is that right there, it was worth living.
See, 20 precious Indonesian Muslim people. And by the way, the Muslim is not your enemy. They are the victim of your enemy. To see 20 of them give their hearts to Jesus Christ and begin worshiping his majesty. That's what this verse is saying God wants to see. He wants that everywhere. He, he, he deserves that. Look at verse 7 and 8. You see the word ascribe three times. To ascribe means to offer or to give. The psalmist says, give, give, give. Give him what? Give him glory. The glory of his name or literally do his name. Is he do, is he do glory? Yes. By the way, if he's do it, that means he deserves it. If he deserves it, it means it's wrong not to give it to him. If I deserve something and you don't give it to me, you have done wrong. Does he deserve glory? Yes, he deserves glory. To not give him what he deserves is to, is to do wrong. The psalmist says, give, give him, give him, give him, give him what? Give him, give him glory that he's due. Yet in millions of cases, they have not done that because they do not know. That should cause us grief. I think it was Piper who said uh, worship, uh, our mission exists because worship doesn't. The whole reason we're going to the ends of the earth is because they don't know him to worship him. They must be told. So give, give, give. There's a sense of urgency here. It's not just give him glory. It's give it to him. Give it to him. Give it to him. Give him the glory that he deserves. And then look at verse 8. It goes on to say, bring him an offering. What kind of an offering? The, the Hebrew word implies a, a, a thank, uh, what was called a, a thank offering. That is a special offering motivated by gratitude for all that he's done. The word can be translated as a gift. You see, when we enter his courts, when we gather together, we're supposed to bring him gifts. Give, 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 give what? Give him glory. Give what? Give him the offerings that he deserves. And by the way, why would I... I know guest speakers aren't supposed to bring up money, but why would I not want to bring my offering to the one that I love so much? Why would I not want to? After all he's done for me, why would I not want? Why would anyone have to twist my arm there? I love my wife. I'll give her anything. I love my three kids. I'll give them anything. I love my, my six grandchildren. I'll give them anything. In fact, I'll trade you three kids for one grandchild, okay? Uh, in a heartbeat without even thinking about it. Why, why would I, my granddaughter's birthday we, is tomorrow, but we celebrated it yesterday so I could be there. I told her, I said, I, I, I told her, I said, I'm going to leave you everything in my, in my will. At all. I'm not giving anything to those worthless grandsons of mine. I'm going to give it all to you. She's got me wrapped around her little finger. Why would I not, why would I not want to give to those that I love. True worship sooner or later is always revealed by giving. Always. You can give without loving, but you cannot love without giving. True worship is always at some point it, it clicks, at some point it kicks in, and it becomes revealed by your, by your giving. You see, we don't just gather to get here on Sunday. We gather to give. 
Yes, we come to hear God's word. Yes, we come to worship. Yes, we come to fellowship. Yes, we come to encourage. But we also come, as the psalmist said, to give, give, give. Give him what? Glory. Give him what? Your thank offerings. And then, verse 9, give him your worship. Worship him. Tremble before him all the earth. The word worship there means to lay face down before him. I've got a good buddy that every time, every time somebody in church prays, it's kind of embarrassing a little bit. But I mean, if uh, somebody prays, he just lays face down on his face on the floor. He's not trying to show off. He's not trying to draw attention. He just humbles himself before God. And that's the idea here. To, the worship means literally lay on your face before him. Why? Because he's great. Because he's not a worthless idol. He's our creator. He's, he's great in glory. He's great in majesty. He's, he has strength. He has beauty. That's the idea here. Worship him. Verse 9 says, because of the beauty of his holiness. Now, we don't often think of holiness as being a thing of beauty in our culture. In fact, Sometimes what we call holiness is nothing more than self-righteousness. But that's not the idea here. Our God is not self-righteous. Our God is righteous. He is holy, holy, holy. The word means set apart. Everything about him is beautifully holy. Holiness in its purity is a beautiful thing. And we are to worship him because of his holiness. Verse 10 let me wrap it up. Verse 10 looks forward to that day our holy king comes back to judge and rule over all peoples everywhere. He will rule with justice and with fairness. When he reigns, there will be no more mass shootings. When he reigns, there will be no more wars or rumors of wars. When he reigns, there will be no more global chaos. When he reigns, there will be no more racism. When he reigns, there will be no more injustice. When he reigns, there will be no more oppression of any kind. When he reigns, there will be no more self-serving politicians or, for that matter, self-serving religious peddlers who take advantage of and abuse the very ones they're chosen to serve. You see, true holiness really is a thing of incredible beauty. Verses 11 through 13 tell us that on that day when he comes back to rule, all creation will burst out in praise. His righteous rule will impact everything. The very trees of the field will clap their hands with joy. The rocks will cry out in praise of him. Romans 8, Paul said that because of the fall of mankind, all creation groans. Creation is groaning and creation is moaning today. But in that day, when our righteous, beautiful, holy, 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 fair, just God returns to rule this world, Creation will cease her moaning and cease her groaning. The trees of the field will shout for joy. That's what I believe this passage is telling us. Now, in closing, what's our response? What do we do as a result of this? Well, obviously, we praise him. But obviously, secondly, he also wants not just praise from us, but from the nation's. And that's where you come in, Candeo. 
that's where we come in. We must make sure that the nations of this world are told the good news so that they can give him the glory he deserves. Here's what I'm going to ask you to do this morning. John, I'm going to steal your line. I don't want much from you. All I want, and let me restate that. He doesn't want much from you. All he wants is everything. How much did he give you? What did it cost him to hang on that old rugged cross for you? Cost him everything. Why should it cost me anything less? Let me tell you something. The more I get to know him, even if he doesn't want everything, I want to give him everything. I'm asking you this morning to make a decision that you're going to take your mind, your body, your influence, your family, your resources, your intellect, everything you are, everything you have, and devote it absolutely 100% to getting the gospel of Jesus Christ to every man, every woman, every boy, every girl on the face of this planet starting right here in Cedar Falls, but not just here in Cedar Falls, from here to the very ends of the earth. Now, how do we do that? Number one, share your story here and near. You have a story. You've been redeemed. You have a personal story of what God has done in your life. Share that story. Tell people your good news, the good news. Number two, offer him your offerings. Make it possible for ends of the earth others to also have a story that they can share. Listen, this is incredible, incredible news. Every family in this room did you know given a dollar and 10 cents a day in one year's time, a dollar and 10 cents a day, one year's time, will plant a church in a village that's never had a church? I mean, think about it. If you go to Starbucks and buy a cup of coffee, what does coffee cost at Starbucks? Like $37? It seems like it. I mean, if you just give up one cup of coffee a day, you can plant a church in a village that's never, that's never ever had one. Uh, Candeo, uh, Jake, I don't know if this came from the Holy Spirit or if it's just me, probably me, okay? It was that whiskey you gave me last night, all right? Um, but I woke up this morning thinking this church in the next 10 years, you guys could plant a thousand churches in the next 10 years in a thousand villages have never heard his name and all oh, the glory he's going to get. All oh, the glory he, he would get from that. Will you take what you've got and ascribe, 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 offer, 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 give, give, give. Yes, glory. Yes, worship. But also those offerings that the psalmist talked about. And finally, you can pray. You can pray, thy kingdom come, thy will be done. By the way, God's will is recorded in the scriptures. According to Psalms 96, God's will is that the whole world hears. So when you pray, thy kingdom come, thy will be done, what you're really praying among other things is, God, I want your gospel spread to the ends of the earth. Will you begin praying that way? Pastor Jake asked you if you would take that card 
and I know some of you did. Probably, if this is an average church, maybe three of you actually did it. And I think you guys are above average, so maybe five. But I'm going to ask you to take that card right now. Would you take it? Would you just pick it up? It's not a trick here. Just pick it up. And this little card, it will allow you to pray. Because what you, if you fill this thing out, we will send you prayer requests every month. And we'll send you a request about people that are going to jail and people having their houses burnt down and people being shot and people being beat up and people that have all been thrown in prison and they, they, they just need prayer. They're willing to take the gospel to their areas, but they need somebody to stand behind them and stand with them in prayer. And you say, David, how, how can I be used of God to get the gospel to the ends of the earth? You can start sharing your story right here where you are, number one. You can give your offerings, number two. But number three, this is the big one, the most important one of all. You can pray. You can pray. Final word before I sit down. Psalms 96 began with a song, with a verse that said, sing a new song to the Lord, all the earth. I was sharing this with your worship team earlier. I never connected the dots, but over the years, we've been able to start churches, the very first churches ever among 40, 45 different previously unengaged, unreached people groups. There were no known churches. There were no known Christians, none at all. And we've been blessed to be able to start a church in every one of those people groups. By the way, we're currently planting, Jake, we, you guys too, are currently planting churches among just under 1,400 different unreached people groups in the world. That's about 20% of them. But these 40 are special. They were like unengaged unreached. Nobody had ever targeted them. And you know what I've noticed in every single one of them? When people come to Christ, they gather together, and it doesn't take long, Dalton, before one of them writes a song in their own language. First ever song, a new song to the Lord. You see, when you give the gospel out to the ends of the earth and the new nations hear it, it's not long before they write a new song to the Lord. I close with a story. I'll never forget it. I was in the, in the mountains of a, in the Himalayas in a country in Asia. And we went into one of these little churches. I think you're looking at it. And there was only about 10 or 15 people there. It was the first it was, it was the first that I know of, the first ever church for that particular little ethnicity. There's probably 50,000 people in that people group. They never had a church. It's the first one. And I'm sitting there on the floor with them. And Jake, I'm, I'm just so... My church in West Palm had about five, 6,000 members. I'd take that in a, without even a hesitation. I'm sitting there, and they were singing songs... They were singing songs in the, in the national language. So I asked them, I said, can you sing me a song in your own language, your mother tongue? And they sang a song. I said, boy, that's good. Can you sing another one? And they sang a second one in their own tongue. And then I said, can you sing a third one? And they started talking back and forth. And my, my guy, the guy that was with me, started talking. They're talking back and forth. And they went on and on and on. And I'm thinking... What are they talking about? It's not that hard of a request. Can you just sing another song? And after about two or three minutes of the conversation, my guide looked at me and he said, Dr. David, 
he said they cannot sing another song in their language. And I said, why not? And he said, they only have two songs. That's all they have. They have two songs. If you'd gone back two years, those people had never even heard the name Jesus Christ. They only have two songs. I've since been in another little church that only had one. And I've been in another one that still didn't have their first. But as we get the gospel out to the ends of the earth, it's only a matter of time. Dalton, or one of those worship guys, sit down and they'll write a new song to his glory and honor. Candeo, it is my prayer that as a result of what you do, there will be many, many, many new songs written to our Lord. Would you bow your heads, please? Father, thank you for the privilege of being here today. Thank you for this great church. Thank you for Pastor Jake and Sarah and the kids and the elders here and the staff and this worship team and the tech guys in the back and all the children's workers and everybody that makes this thing work, Lord. Lord, most of all, I thank you that they have a vision for making disciples here, near, and far. Lord, I pray everyone in this room will get involved sharing their story right here, giving their offerings right here, and getting on their knees and praying. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you. This has been a message from Candeo Church. To learn more about us or to hear more messages, visit us at candeochurch.com.